Teams and Issues in the Caribbean by Daniel Gray. I took upon myself to take this philosophical journey to go in depth to learn and discover the philosophical discourses aligned with the issues of the Caribbean. As an alien to this phenomenal discourse, I have discovered many claims, ideologies, and theories on the issues and themes in the Caribbean. This is my first encounter, which was based on the philosophical traditions in the Caribbean. But the first question that came to my mind during my first class, how did philosophy arrive in the Caribbean? Now, the Western philosophy, comprising of the Europeans and the Americans, came to the Caribbean during the period of colonization. The Africans as well came to the Caribbean during the period of colonization and in the sugar revolution. The Asians, which are the Chinese and the Indians, came to the Caribbean during the post-colonization period and also pre-emancipation period to work as indentured laborers. So where did Western philosophy come from? Did they have a philosophy of their own? The history of Western philosophy is developed from the origin of ancient Greeks until this very present day. In attempting to, dis- to define philosophy, I have attempted to say, philosophy is an attempt to understand the universe as a whole. It examines the humankind, moral responsibilities and social ob- obligations. It is an effort to phantom the divine intentions and to place and the place of human beings with reference to them. An effort to ground the enterprise of natural science, a rigorous examination of the origin, extent and validity of human ideas. It can also be defined as an exploration of the place of will or consciousness in the universe. An examination of the values of truth, goodness, and beauty. It is an effort to codify the rules of human thought in order to promote rationality and the extension of clear thinking. Even these do not exhaust the meanings that have been attached to the philosophical enterprise, but they have given some idea of extreme complexity and many-sidedness. Looking at some Asian philosophers, what were their thoughts on philosophy? Saint Thomas Aquinas, a Dominican fair, George Bakenley, a bishop of the Irish church, and Surin Congard, a Danish divinity student all saw philosophy as a means to assert the truth of religion and to dispel the materialistic or rationalistic errors that in their opinion has led to its decline. We have observed two basic schools in Western philosophy that were briefly discussed. They were empiricism and rationalism. 
Rationalism in Western philosophy is a view that regards reason as a chief source and test of knowledge. Holding that reality itself has an inherently logical structure, the rationalist asserts that a class of truth exists that the intellect can grasp directly. There are, according to rationalists, certain rational principles, especially in logic, mathematics, and even in ethics and metaphysics that are so fundamental that to deny them is to fall into contradiction. On the contrary, empiricism in Western philosophy as a conceptual view that all knowledge is derived from the observation and all concepts are able and applicable to things that can be experienced or that all rationally acceptable belief or propositions are, are justifiable, knowable, only through experience. We made comparison of Eastern and Asian philosophy against the Western philosophy. A distinct feature of Asian comprising of the Indians and the Chinese is that the Eastern philosophy is a mixture of religion and philosophy. The Eastern philosophy includes Hindus, Buddhists, Confucian, Dwayas, their assumption is that Eastern and Western philosophies are complementary and that to bring them together in a unified system would be to correct the weakness of each to furnish mankind with the required philosophy from the, for the world understanding. Now, the point raised in regards to whether such conception or undertaking is meaningful, and if so, what does this mean? Whether is it compatible with the role of philosophy in culture, whether it is relevant to the basic actualities of the West and the East, whether the domain, whether in the domain of possibility, in the present state of civilization. The problem of the East and the West is not one that we can tackle academically but it is a problem concerning the world to achieve world peace. Philosophy plays a role in today's world to properly conceive true capability as much for reconciliation in the system of thoughts so desperate as those of the modern Occident and traditional East. Another concern is why the traditional East when all the Asians move in the 20th century in secular direction towards the goal of aspiration, which are incongruous with its own traditional modes of thought. And then it would seem that only dogmatic traditionalists or the most haphazard electrics could formulate such conception. I would look at the view of an American philosopher, Filmer Stuart Cocu Nolton on Orient and Western philosophy. Now, Nelson view was closely regulated as his assumption with the Western thought and the impeccable tradition of the East could complement each other. 
The Western theoretical is porous with science and democracy, while the East is intuited with relic aesthetic spirituality for, for the man within. Each is able to provide precisely with whichever it lacks. The East and the West could now exemplify a fundamental polarization of thoughts. Nautram claimed that it was then important to bring them together, to fuse them somehow into one. This could be considered as a philosophical world harmony and universal fulfillment. Nautram made John Locke's view on the Eastern and the Western philosophy seem as a philosophical malefactor who led all eras of liberal thought and culture by interpreting man as a spiritual substance with natural rights by setting materials and spiritual substances over against each other. He, correct, he corrects Locke's errors by his own theory of epitomistic correlations. By some magic, he extends the doctrine to prove its satisfaction, the equal validity of the West theoretical and the East empirically, which is an empirical approach to reality. The philosophy of the East is an intuitive empirism, and its achievements are distinctly religious and artistic, providing these realms more valid insights into reality than can the theoretic West. Now the West theory provides science, it provides technology and also democracy. These gave the Western philosophy power. But its erroneous empiricism derives its of the aesthetic depth of the Orion. Of every point at every point, Western and Oriental culture Northrum points to philosophers and philosophical movements that it is always theoretical in one and aesthetic in the other. Presiding over the course of course of events, the direction of institutions, the inner norms of communities, and the distinctive in cultural expressions. Nordstrom's own approach to the issue before him is analysis is offered solution, cultural and practical seems spurious. The formula of epitomistic correlates the wrong instrument for its purpose. Its extreme version of autonomous and sovereign role of philosophy in culture is of one consequence. In Western culture, the role of philosophy is exhaustively at every end. They, they are the commonplace of our historians, of thoughts and culture. Western philosophy has kept a pace with and have adapted to the paranormal of changing life. This has helped to launch great general ideas and have helped to corrupt them as well. It has been clarified, criticized, brought to the system, and then being desystemized. 
which is a realm of experience and reality. The mind of Europe was a whole single mind. Though even though the uneven course of development of its institutional life among its constituent peoples meant that always one or another of them would was different was different in times taking up the burdens of making the required reinterpretation of man and nature and also of the mind and value of the ordering of society and by its institutions empires of masters slave slaves rulers and ruled gave away amidst the conflict of Oglarch and Democrats to the Greek idea of free citizenship in the city-state. The West moved amid the struggles and conflict, remarked A.N. Whitehead, from slavery to serfdom to feudalism to aristocracy to political equality of rights to career effectively open to talent and even the civic minimia for all. My reflection went deeper while delving into the philosophical issues of the Caribbean using the Caliban's reason, which was an attempt to resolve the issues by Paget Henry. He believed that most of the Caribbean writers who wrote extensively on the topic of philosophy in the Caribbean gave very little regard to the Africans' contribution to the Caribbean philosophy. He wrote that much of the author's recognition went to the European hegemonic, hegemonic contribution to the Caribbean culture and philosophical tradition. He argued that in order to define the Afro-Caribbean philosophy, much which have been embedded must first be excavated. Therefore, his text, Caliban's Reason, published in 2000, had two main objectives, one of which was to address the under-thematization of the Afro-Caribbean philosophy in a critical discourse. This aim counters a number of intellectuals interlocking ideologies which have contributed to the marginalization and the devaluation of Afro-Caribbean philosophy. His second aim was to press forward in the process of creolization. He believes that balkanization in the Caribbean has been the cause by much colonial, institutional and nationalist discourses and hence results in the blocking of post-colonial recovery. For Henry, creolization in, involves substantive exchange and dialogue between social groups, between political affiliation, between academic schools, and between artistic schools. Henry's first contest powerful ideological assumptions that have rendered the Afro-Caribbean philosophy invisible, but contract the philosophy by traditional African philosophy within a narrow analytical category. In his second goal, creolization of Afro-Caribbean philosophy, he argues persuasively, 
for the necessity of dialogue and exchange to counter the intellectual and political balkanization of the area. And yet, the creolization he envisions emerges as an organic, almost unnatural process, which efficaces the struggles for dominance that such process would involve. In his novel, Henry corrects the absence of Caribbean philosophical thoughts by reading texts portrayed as, portrayed as against the gain. Instead of reading Fanon as political economy, James as history, Wilson Iris as fiction, he frames their texts as Afro-Caribbean philosophy. He argues that the intellectual contribution of Afro-Caribbean writers such as Franz Fanon, C.L.R. James, Marcus Garvey really attributed to the emergence of the particularity of the Caribbean place. Henry challenges the persistent blindness in critical texts to the Caribbean particularity by bringing the Caribbean's tradition more into focus. Philosophy has been the unmade of ideology, religion, and social science, but has appeared in its own right only a fleeting moment, Henry states. This lacked the thematic autonomy and primacy which I mean by implicit and subterranean existence of the Caribbean philosophy. He also states, In writing his text, Henry persuasively insists on the vibrant yet under-thematized body of Afro-Caribbean philosophy. He inaugurates the process of establishing a critical discourse that recognizes the region's philosophical traditions. In his writing, Henry needed to further creolize the category of philosophy to allow the possibility of a genuine synthesis between folktale and philosophy. The result would have been a profound disruption of the philosophical language and the symbolic order that we have in the Caribbean today. An important political goal of Henry's work is to make visible that which has been absent in the Caribbean intellectual life, which is the awakening of the African half of our philosophical heritage. This has been excluded from the Caribbean philosophy, which itself is marginalized and fragmented. The virtual non-existence of Afro-Caribbean philosophy is the result of institutional and ideological forces which have overvalued European and undervalued the African philosophical discourses. Henry argues that the undervaluation of African philosophy is due to the persistence of racist ideologies which posits Africa as a diametrically opposed to reason and which deploy the binary oppositions of primitive and civilized, pre-modern and modern. Henry represents the African philosophy as an integrated and current by emphasizing the spirituality and transcending the dimension of African thought.
Within the assessment of the creolization of the Caribbean, my interest was parked by the methods and theories that were involved in the creolization of the Caribbean. The perspective of many writers and Caribbean philosophers were viewed to determine the method of creolization. Of course, there are controversial arguments as to whether creolization existed in the Caribbean or not. One such proponent was Dr. John Bewaji. He believed that Caribbean philosophy does exist along with creolization. On the contrary, others believed that Caribbean philosophy is embedded in a non-philosophical discourse. These involve modern philosophers such as Paget Henry, Lawrence Bamikool, and Earl Mackenzie. A profound example would be the Redemption Song. There were also those who believed that the Caribbean should be a product of new dialogic. These involved persons like Jennifer Lisa West. There were even some professional philosophers who see Caribbean philosophy as a reaction to the hegemony of Western philosophy. This involved philosophers such as Lewis Gordon and Charles Mills. In some instances, the Caribbean can be described as a plural society, which, which is constructed with a unity of disparate parts, which owes its existence to external factors and lacks a common social will. The focus then plays on the concept that the Caribbean is a Creole society. In this course, we observe two major definitions of Caribbean Creolization. Those are Edward Glissant and Retz Nettleford. Edward Glissant defined Creolization as not only crossbreeding because Creolization adds something new to the components that participate in it while Rex Netterford defined creolization as the organizing process of renewal and growth that marks the new order of men and women who came originally from the whole world cultures and met in conflict or otherwise in foreign soil. Padgett Henry uses... Padgett Henry uses Grayson's view suggesting about creolization it suggests that to free the philosophical and other underperforming spots on the caribbean imagination undo the binary opposition and negative evaluation that block african and european elements from creatively coming together in caliban's reason henry argues that the emergence of vibrant and self-conscious Caribbean philosophy will require the breaking of those colonial fetters. Without such an internal decolonization, it would not be able to ignite itself and affirm its unique identity. As post-colonial recovery proceeds, there is usual, usually a progressive ignizing of discourses. However, it does not occur uniformly across all these courses. Processes of discursive indignization have occurred more rapidly in Caribbean drama, folklore, religion, music, political economy, and literature.
than it had ever had in philosophy. The identities of these cultural practices are distinctly more Creole. In these Creole formulations, Africa as well as European elements are visible. By contrast, Afro-Caribbean philosophy is unique in degree, with, to which it has resisted a similar creolizing identity. In conclusion, Henry's vision of the future creolization is one is one of democratic and a dialogic exchange. Yet, clearly, the process of creolization of accord in the Caribbean are profoundly marred by the power relations relating to colonialism and neocolonialism. Henry himself argues that Fanon's fusion of philosophy, psychology, and revolutionary political theories indicates an overvaluation of European and undervaluation of African theories. So, is there a reason to suppose that future synthesis will not involve the silencing and exclusion of some voices? I take up the notion with N. Paget Henry to urge Caribbean philosophers and critics to include the Indo-Caribbean and Native Caribbean philosophies under the rubric of Creole philosophy. In that way, the issue of the undervaluation of Afro-Caribbean philosophy in the Caribbean will be solved. Thank you.